Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I of course cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show, that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. All righty, we're back. I love that tune, by the way. Uh, you're listening to 95.9 FM, WATD in Marshfield, Massachusetts. My name is Mike McNamara. You're listening to McNamara on Money. My co-host, sidekick, business partner, son, executive vice president of global investments, alternatives, and all things other investment stuff, Justin, is keeping me company this morning, and uh, that's a long business card, right, Jess? Something like that, huh? You betcha. All righty. Uh, anyway, folks, a couple longer, of... The, the longer, the more impressive. There right? you go. That's right. <clears throat> um, folks, uh, a few announcements. So, first of all, wanted to give a shout-out to the Marshfield Food Pantry. Uh, they need your help. Uh, in these difficult times, many families rely on this community resource for help. You can help them out with a donation of food or money. Send your tax-deductible donation to the Marshfield Food Pantry, Post Office Box 1907 in Marshfield, Massachusetts, 02050. Or drop off donations at their Library Plaza locale in Marshfield. Or please visit them at marshfieldfoodpantry.org. Okay, next week's show, Saturday, May 24th, Happy Memorial Day. We will run a rebroadcast. Oh, everybody's taking the day off here. Huh? We will run a rebroadcast of our credit counseling show with Ooh. Peter Mullen of American Consumer Credit Counseling. Okay, folks, if you're wrestling with uh, credit cards or have some issues about uh, you know, questions, that might be your special show. So credit counseling, that would be next 
But credit uh, is so simple. <clears throat> yeah, right. Okay. And then two Saturdays from now, as in June 1st, holy moly, retirement boot camp. Get in shape to retire. I like that. Kirk and Alyssa will coach you through the steps to be retirement ready. I like that as well. And then last and not least, Justin, we gotta we got to do something about this. Uh, <clears throat> folks, we, uh, we uh, now have two uh, time slots here on the weekends <clears throat> for WATD. Yes, this show is broadcast live uh, every Saturday morning from, well, 99% of the Saturday mornings uh, from 8 to 10. Uh, but uh, we also uh, do a rebroadcast of the show Sundays from 7.30 to 9.30 Sunday morning. Uh, and the way we officially work it is that this show today will be broadcast not tomorrow, but next Sunday. We kind of stagger them. But um, I, I guess my point is, folks, if you're busy on Saturday mornings, uh, then you're probably not listening to this radio show. But uh, if Sunday mornings is a better time for you, uh, you can hear uh, our show, or again, a rebroadcast, but still good stuff, from 7.30 to 9.30. We're taking over the station here. Pretty soon it'll be all McNamara on money. What can I tell you? Uh, anyway, all right, so the, the deal today, folks, uh, is that uh, we're talking about uh, you know where you put your money to work with the chronology is and so far we've been through hey the first step is to make sure you got some emergency reserves so you don't have to tap your investment money at the wrong time or with taxes for an emergency uh, get a home equity line of credit in place as a backup to your emergency reserves just in case you have a big one don't spend it just have it ready uh, and then the the first investment step is your 401k we went through through kind of the the academic stuff, but I want to spend some time on the uh, human behavioral stuff because this is at least as important as what you choose for investments, folks. You know, what you do or don't do about your 401k uh, will determine your success as far as we're concerned. So I'm going to run through a checklist of stuff, but the first of all, when it comes to choosing an investment, you know, what's your risk tolerance you know how do i know i'm going to be comfortable with this uh justin any opening salvos on the risk discussion uh yeah i mean that's we work with our clients on that obviously very very closely uh, to try to identify that on your own sort of as a do-it-yourselfer uh it's not quite as easy Uh, a lot of it you know you can certainly get there experientially but one of the reasons that we regularly recommend the target date funds is because it takes that decision out of the client's hands and it probably gets pretty close, right? I mean, there will certainly be folks for which uh, a target date fund would be too aggressive or too conservative, but you know, at least if you have one of those, at least if you have a target date fund, you, you know, you sort of have someone making that decision for you and it doesn't seem like it's all in your, on your own hands. And so it's probably okay. Um, but other than that, it's, you know, gosh, I wouldn't really know how to... It's a fuzzy conversation, right? Really yeah. <laughs> I have it right here. Risk is a fuzzy thing, okay? Yeah. Uh, you know, when times are great and your statement's going up every month by a huge chunk, you have an ability to bear lots of risk, folks, emotionally. When the world is coming to an end, hmm, your risk tolerance shrinks. And it's kind of a fuzzy thing, but the the, the I guess the 
closing, you'll never know what your risk is till you go invest some stuff and find out about it, I suppose. But, you know, my closing comment is no risk, no return, folks. If you want to be very conservative and own guaranteed investments, you'll never make any money. So it's that's kind of the flip side of it. We can't we can do a whole show on that. But we're going to move on. OK. Uh, and another thing is like, you know, the asset allocation funds and the and the target date funds. Well, they might, you know, it, you know, it, it might be. You know, a 2060 fund. Well, let me let me do a little bit closer. If if you're retired in 2030, well, then maybe you've got the 2030 fund. But if you don't end up retiring until 2035 or 2040, you know, so so you you don't necessarily have to match the retirement date fund with your retirement date. But you don't know about that either, sort of a thing. So it's better than nothing. And pretty good for most folks, but not perfect. And it, it might, you know, some of these things might not match up with somebody's actual situations. But if they don't have a financial advisor in place, that's probably about the best they can do. Okay. All right. So I've got a bunch of do's and don'ts. I'm kind of going to run through them here uh, relatively quickly because I told you we'd, we'd never have time to finish this, Justin. You didn't believe me, yeah. did you? I, I, well, we're on I, number two of. Hey, I, of- I know, I know these things. Okay, anyway, uh, so contrary to what you think, I know a few things. Okay, but anyway, uh, so here, here's do's and don'ts. Uh, M- Mikey will do the cryptic commentary. Justin may interject anytime he wishes after I give my commentary. Don't ever stop making contributions. That's a don't, folks. Okay? <laughs> the, the, you know, market's high, market's low, the world's coming to an end. Don't ever stop what you're doing that's how you become wealthy over time. Invest regularly, invest in some of those risky things, and do it for a long time, period. That's my first don't. Okay, my next, my first do is try to increase your contributions to the maximum. Okay, there's the, the achieving a retirement goal in this country is a lot more difficult for folks in their 20s and 30s and 40s now than it was when we, when the older generations were. So it ain't easy living happily ever after retiring. And it's more difficult these times than it was a few years ago. So, so just don't stop and try to increase it to as much as you possibly can. Okay. This is all, Go ahead. Just assuming that you don't have a sort of a, a, you know, a, a detailed retirement plan in That's, place yep. where you have a plan that says, oh, I need to invest this number of dollars and I should be A-OK, yep. right? Yeah. In, in absence of that, which most people, frankly, don't have. Th- thank you. Yes, okay. And and that's my last do. But anyway, you, you're exactly right. We're talking to folks who don't work with a financial advisor that they're comfortable with and trust who can help you with all this stuff, okay? Uh, and so if it doesn't apply because you're working with somebody, terrific. But we're talking right now for the rest of those folks, okay? So, all right, here's another one. Don't borrow against your 401k. Um, you want to comment on that, Josh? Or should I just move right along? It's an no. option to borrow money, but anytime you borrow money, you're impinging on your retirement success if you borrow it from your retirement plan. Not a good plan, folks. I wish you told me that a couple of months ago, Dad. Hey, Justin, you know, you're, <laughs> you're smart enough. You should know this stuff. Okay. Uh, anyway, if you had a home equity line of credit in place, folks, you wouldn't have to borrow against your 401k anyway. All right. Yep. Here's my next don't. Don't go to cash. What's that mean? Don't panic the next time the world comes to an end, okay? And you're going to go to cash and save all your money until it gets better. 
folks, doesn't work that way. Okay, uh, if if you panic and move all out of all of your investments, you did that after they already went down a lot. Let's be really clear. So you sold, okay, uh, l- low, and then by the way, if you ever move your money back into the markets, it's only when things are going to be going great guns and you're saying, okay, now it's time to get back in because everything's going great. Well, yeah, that's that's pretty unwise because you just bought back in higher. So do not do not ever, okay, go to cash or lower your risk because you think the markets are going to go up or down or sideways or whatever. Okay, you don't know. And if you do it long enough, it doesn't make much difference because markets have cycles. So don't go to cash. There are some folks who did that in 2007, 8, 9, probably listening to me, probably regretting that. Maybe we can get a call from one of those. 781-837-4900. Okay, don't downshift your risk level as a result of market behavior. Uh, Let's see, I'm five years away. I'm 10 years away from retirement. This is the strategy I know I'm supposed to have, but you know the market has gone down. I think it's going to go down some more. I'm going to drop my risk. and Instead of having 60% stock portfolio, I'm going to drop it down to the 40% stock portfolio. Okay, don't ever change your strategy based on what you think things are going to do because you don't know. By the way, what I just described, you rode down a market with 60% stocks, and you wrote it back with 40% stocks. It's going to take you a long, long time to get back to where you were if you do something like that. Stick with your strategy, okay? If it, you have a strategy, hopefully, for some very good reasons, okay? Uh, let's see. Uh, do downshift or upshift risk level for good reasons, Okay. Yeah, I just inherited $17 million. I guess we could get a little bit more conservative on your 401k plan. Uh, let's see. You know, I'm retiring in five years. No, I I'm, I'm think I'm retiring in 10 years, but I'm changing my mind. It's now going to be 20. That might be a reason to get braver, kind of given the circumstances. So there are some good reasons where you may shift your risk in your portfolio up or down. They relate to yourself and your circumstances and your time. They don't relate to what markets are doing because you don't know. Okay. uh, Do only look at your retirement plan statement on 1231 of every year. Nobody's ever. Nobody's. I, I think that's great advice, Josh. Don't. You? <laughs> I, good luck with it. <clears throat> okay, let's see. If you're investing in stocks, how long does it take a company to grow? A couple weeks? Next month? No, it takes years for a company to grow and get better. Okay, it has always bothered me that the that the Securities Exchange Commission should think that people should see what their investments are doing every month. How do you become a long-term investor if you look at your investments weekly, daily, monthly, whatever? Okay, most folks, hey, if you're putting a whole bunch of money in there and you're in your 20s and 30s and 40s and you're in a, an appropriate allocation, just don't look at stuff. Take a peek at your 1231 statement in 10 or 15 years from now, you'll probably be pretty happy. All right, <clears throat> don't pay attention to the financial news. These are all generic. I don't these I, don't really have much to do with 401k. Well, they're their behavior they are, but okay. they're behavioral issues that if you misbehave in your 401k, it'll cost you big time. 
So yeah. I, I threw in the human side of this equation. I know you're the money man, Jess, with the details, but, you know, we, we also have to worry about how people behave with their stuff, you know? Okay. I, I should have taken more college courses, some college courses in psychology. Did you take any of those? I took one. Really? Maybe yeah. you can teach me what you learned. I should have done that a long time ago. But anyway, for, you know, I'm, these these are... 401k problems you can cause on your own, not with your investments. Okay. Uh, do try and meet with your plan advisor yearly. Okay. And here's one you probably have some thoughts on. Do take your 401k with you if you leave your job and if you don't have a financial advisor and move it to your new 401k at your new job. You want to react to that? I mean, I wouldn't no. call it a do. <laughs> I would call it a maybe do potentially do yeah i mean you do want to we in general we do recommend that clients avoid having you know five 401ks laying around because they'll forget about them and don't it's do just, anything with them right and then yeah. it's hard to manage all those portfolios yeah. and are you really you know are you are you really watching them i mean well the, i guess if you have them all in retirement ready funds then maybe you're the whole point is that you don't need to watch them but the number of plans does increase the number of complexity that you have and so probably you should you know keep it as low as you can but that doesn't mean you should always go to the new 401k i mean we've certainly met with clients and talked specifics about the old 401k versus the new 401k and said you know what should you do with it and on occasion we will say leave it in that old plan because it's a great plan or whatever how about i say do think about it then do think about it all right okay strongly consider it all right all right so all right so folks if you're just joining us first step emergency reserve second step home equity line of credit as insurance and a backup to emergency reserves third step investing in your 401k wisely and behaving wisely Okay, uh, any comments on any of those, Justin, before we go to the next step, which would be saving for college? No, I think we're good. All right, so um, let me start off here. Okay, so I put the saving for college after the contributing to the retirement plan, okay? Uh, and, And I think that's the priority. Okay, um, so the bottom line is when you are funding your 401k slash retirement plan adequately, <clears throat> that's a whole other discussion, but hopefully if you're convinced that you're doing it adequately and you're going to be okay, then you can start saving for college, okay? Um, <clears throat> folks, let's, let's be realistic. Most people can't save enough money for however many kids they have to have all their college educations paid for by the time the kids get to college age. If you can, congratulations, but that's not a high percentage of folks, all right? And and so what we're talking about here is a piece of college education for most people, okay? And the, the real big picture uh, is that, okay, if you're going to pay for college, there's three ways that most people have to do it. Save, can't save enough, take it out of cash flow as the kids are in college or borrow a bunch of money. Okay, so those are, those are the funding options for, for college. Saving is preferable if you can do it, but that's probably not going to cover it. Okay, uh, and, and because it's such a huge decision, okay, uh, I, I would tell parents that you have to have the big discussion, okay, about college early, early on. And, and, uh, and, and the big discussion is, so... 
what are we going to do about our kids' college educations? Are we going to pay for 100% of it? Are we going to pay for three-quarters of it? Are we going to send them to public schools, a public university? Are our kids going to have some skin in the game? Are we going to make them pay for whatever? You, you, know, you, need to, you need to have a serious discussion about how you're going to approach the whole, how am I going to treat my kids in their college educations? Because college educations and paying for it can wreck a whole lot of retirements. We, we know about that, okay? Uh, and you have to be very careful about that. Most people... Uh, well, I mean, let me rephrase this. <clears throat> Many people out there listening to me may be, and who doesn't want to do the best for your kids and send them to the best schools, and, and who doesn't want to make the sacrifice? But there are many people listening to me or us right out there right now that are probably paying for college educations in one way, shape, or form that they can't afford and that will impact their retirement. If they have a comprehensive financial plan in place and they know that, then great. They made a decision based on good information and that's what they want to do and they'll work longer or their retirement will be less than they planned because they make that sacrifice. If you don't know that, shame on you and that could probably severely impact what you ha what happens in your retirement for the rest of your life. So it's a really big decision, folks. And sometimes, let's face it, most people can't afford to send all their kids and pay 100% of all their money to all their kids, what are the trade-offs and, and uh, you know, what are you going to do differently if you know you can't do that sort of a thing? Th these are tough, difficult decisions, but <clears throat> we occasionally meet folks on the wrong end of that, and it's too late to fix things. Before we get into the details, Joss, are you okay with that? Any any add-on comments? Nope. Nope. That. Okay. Uh, I'm venting here. Okay, so yeah, yeah. So, so that, I call that the big discussion. I may have to write yep. an article about that, Justin, the, for the Mariner. There, the, you know, who pays what? You know, what's the maximum? I'm sorry. You know, my my limit for savings, uh, cash flow, and borrowing is, is eighty grand. Okay, you go, you go any place you want, do whatever you want, but you're on the hook for the rest of that, kiddo. Good luck. Have a nice day. You know, go down the driveway, take a left, have a good life. Uh, anyway, you got to be careful about that stuff, folks. It's a huge, scary decision, and most people don't have enough information to make a wise one about that. Okay, have your retirement place in, in your retirement plan in place, and by the way, never mind the college decisions. Think about grad school and law school decisions, too, folks, because we know folks who are getting presented with those. Or, or how about the five-year college cost or the six-year college cost, folks? Okay, it's uh, just it needs some analysis, and I'm doing a very large commercial for having a comprehensive uh, retirement slash financial plan in place that says, hey, if you pay this much for college, this is what your retirement looks like. By the way, you can't pay any more than this or your retirement is screwed or whatever, okay? But if you have a comprehensive plan in place, you should, you'll be able to know what you can afford for college and still live happily ever after. Please, oh, please think about that. All right, so now we're going to get into the, the investment stuff. Josh, why don't you go over the three options? I've been talking too much here anyway. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, so when you're talking about college savings, we start with the 529 plan. Uh, that's, you know, f for our money, probably the best place to save for college, uh, you know, pros and cons. Any money that you put into a 529 plan uh, needs to be spent for college in order for the earnings to be tax-free. So it's a tax advantage plan and you put money in, it grows as long as you take it out and use it for college 
you do not pay taxes on those earnings. So, you know, that's step one. If you are sure you want to save for college, 529 is probably your first step. Okay. Right. Yeah. You can put his... How about, how about some details? Some yeah. good, good news, bad news on that. Go ahead. So as far as limits go, you can save a lot inside of a 529. All right. You're, you're really limited by the gift tax rules. I don't know how much time we want to spend on that, but, you know, sim- just to make it very simple, you can put up to 15 grand per year per kid in, and you can actually double that if you're married and have a spouse. So you can, without worrying, you can put up to $30,000 per year into a 529 for each of your kids. Okay. Okay. So now there's four people listening to us that can do that. Let's talk to everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, well, I thought we wanted to go some of the, over some of the details. Yeah. 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 Um, you invest the money, you get to choose how you invest it. It's like anything else. You know, it's, it's a little bit 401k like where you'll have a sort of a fixed menu of choices. You have to choose uh, a provider, a 529 provider. There are lots of them and they each have their own different menu of investments. But, in all cases, you can be, you know, probably as aggressive or conservative as you'd like, right? You can be very, very conservative and you have, you know, kind of uh, money markets sort of savings options all the way up to an all-stock portfolio. And almost every 529 has a, you know, call a, a target date fund for college where it's, you know, kind of a graduation date, right? You're going to go to college in 2028. And so you can build a portfolio that way and do an asset allocation. Yeah, so depending on the provider or the custodian, there's like zillions of options for these things, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, some some of them are, you know, are restricted. I think I'm trying to think. I think maybe the Fidelity account has some restrictions on it where you can't do any Fidelity investment. But I believe there are other other 529s where you can do any offering from. The offering company, like an American Funds or a T. Rowe Price, you can pick any fund in there. I, I, again, I don't know every 529, just the ones that we work with, but uh, you, there's a lot of flexibility. There are also a lot of different 529 plans out there, and so you can shop around for what you're looking for. So okay. the, the investments are varied. You probably need some help. Uh, how about... Um uh, what, 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 we want to do anything on the structure, or do you want to come back to that? What do you mean by structure? Uh, well, how, you know, we need to talk about beneficiaries and ownership, stuff like that, or do you don't want to bother with that here? Oh, yeah, I mean, it's, I guess, similar to most custodial accounts, right? You, you know, the in the 529 plan, the money is still owned by the parent or the grandparent, whoever is funding it on behalf of the child, and the child is really more of a, of a beneficiary, so, right, you can... It, you can take the money back any time that you put into a 529, uh, but you can, you know, for the most part, it's used for college when that beneficiary is college age, and then it's tax-free, assuming it's used for education at that time. Okay, and you can it, switch beneficiaries yeah. within the family, right? So if you have one child who goes to college and one does not, you can uh, you can move those beneficiaries around without any uh, consequences. All right. So, and if you don't use it for college, you pay taxes plus a penalty on the earnings, not the earnings only. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. So that's Plan A. If somebody is pretty sure that their kids are on going to go to college or on the way, or if there's two or three kids, even if the first one doesn't go, you can change the beneficiary, and kid number two can go to college, sort of a thing. So that that's the chosen vehicle, right? Preferred vehicle for most people, yeah, right. and most appropriate for most people. Promote. All right, we'll discuss the other two, less appropriate but 
but but appropriate for some. Sure. So the next one is uh, it's called a UTMA account. Uh, you know, a lot of people will have these maybe at a bank for their kids, even if they didn't know it. It's just an account for a child that is controlled by a guardian, a custodian, someone like that. Um, the they they certainly can be used for college, right? The the guardian controls the assets up until the age of majority, which in our in our state is age twenty one. Uh, and so a UTMA account is the kid's money. It has to be used for the kid's benefit, uh, and it goes to the kid at age twenty one for them to use it however they'd like, right? So there's a there's some risk in the UTMA account that at 21, if there's still money in there, uh, the kid will go take it and buy uh, a Porsche, uh, which is certainly their prerogative if that's if that's what they want to do. Um, but it on the upside, it does have some flexibility that the the 529 doesn't, right? It can be used for anything for the child's benefit, not just for education, right? You can use it to buy a car. You can use it for private school. Uh, there's anything really that's for the kid's benefit that money can be used for. Jess, we should probably stop there because we're a little late for break oh. and come back here. Okay, Jess, so let's do it here. Thanks.